in this exchange, of course, were people. Nor was it indeed that the seventeenth century saw any fundamental new beginning. It was not then that the American continent first entered European consciousness. Viking ships, many hundreds of years earlier, had crossed the northern Atlantic from Scandinavia, even if the settlement that these wide-roving Europeans had established on territory that they called Vinland, had not proved an enduring one. And it was also over a hundred years before the seventeenth century that another European explorer known to Englishmen as Christopher Columbus discovered, insofar as the people of Eurasia were concerned, the American continent. While Columbus reached islands in what we now call the Caribbean, far to the south of what we think of as the countries of Canada and the United States of America, another sailor from Italy, a man the English called John Cabot, followed soon afterwards, much further north. When he dropped anchor, he did so in cooler, very different territory, not far from where the Vikings had landed centuries earlier, by the island that we now call Newfoundland. Neither man appreciated, though, what in fact they had found. Both thought that the globe was much smaller than it really is. Both thought that the land they had reached was an outlying, hitherto unknown fragment of Asia, that the large islands of Japan must lie nearby. Today, of course, the island on which Cabot landed is a part of Canada, its very name describing what it was to the men who then saw it, new found land. The discovery of America was one thing, and it was a momentous thing, of course, but substantial settlement was quite another, and it was this that made all the difference if these European voyages were not to go the way of the earlier Viking ones to vanish into the thick mists which all too frequently cloaked the northeast American coast, leaving only clues before a definite rediscovery by archaeologists. The century after Columbus and Cabot, the 16th, was a time of further exploration, as well as of a number of tentative, often unsuccessful attempts to colonize this astonishing new territory, which, as it soon became apparent, was not Asia at all, but an entire, hitherto unsuspected continent, a place both vast and unmeasured. While the Iberian nations, Spain and Portugal, did become established in Central and South America, causing grievous suffering both through deliberate violence and the unwitting bequest of infections against which the American natives had no resistance, the much weaker efforts made by England and France further north in the course of the 16th century proved less enduring, as well as less immediately fruitful. In places like Roanoke, famously on the shore of what is now North Carolina, an effort was made in the time of Queen Elizabeth I, the first such that England did make, to establish a colony upon the shores of what were called these remote, heathen and barbarous lands. There, in the course of the 1580s, on the precarious, far-flung edge of a strange and unknown territory, over one hundred men were left to establish a settlement 
and build a fort while they awaited further supplies. But first, Sir Francis Drake removed, rescued most of the desperate group. Then, when relief did arrive for the remaining fifteen, it was found that the colonists had entirely disappeared, with the haunting exception of a single skeleton. Subsequently, a second group of settlers was left, nervous and uncertain, also to await contact from England. But this time, whatever the intentions, the impending armada and the subsequent war with Spain caused significant delays to transatlantic shipping. And by the time that assistance did arrive, these men, women and children had also vanished, along with their settlement. While artwork and writing of a high quality does survive from the venture,